Welcome to the Passive Investing Show, a show that teaches you how to take your hard-earned cash and have it work hard for you, regardless of whether or not you continue to work hard for it. And now, here are your hosts, Jay Scott and Ashley Wilson. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the Passive Investing Show. I am your co-host, Jay Scott. And as usual, I'm here today with my partner and my co-host, Ashley Wilson. We have an amazing guest on the show today. And if you're on social media, you've probably already heard of him. His name is Ryan Pineda. And he's built a social media following of over a million people. And more importantly, he's leveraged that following. And he's also leveraged his personal brand that he's built to build passive income that's led to an amazing lifestyle, one that any of us, honestly, would be thrilled to emulate. Yeah, the lessons he provides on today's show are just absolutely outstanding. On this show, we talk about everything from real estate building to passive, uh, building passive businesses, uh, crypto, NFTs. And if you're wondering what an NFT is, don't worry. Ryan provides a perfect explanation on NFTs that anyone can understand. And he also dives into why NFTs are ripe to disrupt the real estate space over the next several years. Yeah, it's an amazing show. So without any further ado, let's welcome Ryan Pineda to the Passive Investing Show. How are you doing today, Ryan? What's up, Jay? Good to be here. Excellent. So I imagine that a lot of our listeners probably know who you are. They probably follow you on social media, but I imagine there are a few stragglers out there that might not know who you are, might not know what you do and what you've done. So for them, can you provide a little bit of your backstory and tell us uh, where you come from and, and how you got to where you are today and what you're doing today? Yeah, I'll give you the couple minute version. Um, born and raised in Las Vegas. Uh, I've been married eight years, got two kids, three year old and a two year old. Um, it's really amazing just uh, you know, having a great family. But uh, growing up, I wanted to be a baseball player and I was grateful enough to be able to kind of hit all my goals. You know, I played high school at a high level, I got a Division one scholarship, uh, became an All American, and then I got drafted by the Oakland A's. And so this was back in 2010. Um, but during that time, you know, I'm playing in the minor leagues and I knew that I wasn't going to make money in the minor leagues. Uh, for those of you who don't know, you make about 1200 bucks a month. So yeah, I had to go get a job doing something. And so that's kind of how I fell into real estate. I got my realtor's license then in 2010. And for those who don't know too, it's, it was like the hardest time ever to be a realtor. I mean, if you think right now is tough, um, 2010 was way harder <laughs> because the prices were so low. Nobody could get financing. It was just a really rough time. But um, I realized over the years, I just didn't like that part of the business. I wasn't a fan of representing buyers and sellers. Um, and I just knew like I was always good at finding deals. And so it wasn't until 2015 that I first stumbled on bigger pockets and it changed my life. I I remember learning that all these deals I was seeing over the years, I could actually buy them if I just got a hard money loan or got a private money loan. And those things never occurred to me as a realtor. I thought you had to just buy it with FHA or conventional. And so, you know, I ended up um, maxing out all my credit cards to buy our first flip. It was to the tune of $50,000. My wife and I just went all in. And thankfully, that flip worked out. We made $25,000 and my life was forever changed. Um, at that point, I said, dude, if I just do a few of these a year, like that's a six figure um, a year career. You know, I can find four or five deals a year. It's not that hard. And um, 
that's exactly what we did. We we flipped about five houses that first year. The next year I flipped 20, the year after 50. And the year after that, we did over 150. And um, I've been doing about 100 flips a year ever since. And, um, you know, flipping houses made me a millionaire. But um, along that road, I ended up uh, starting a bunch of other businesses. Um, not that I was like this big entrepreneur, but just because of opportunities and people that had come into my life. And so um, as it stands today, we have six, seven businesses right now. Um, they're all seven or eight figure businesses. Um, I've got a CPA firm called TrueBooks. I've got an education company for real estate investors called Future Flipper. Um, we've got one for realtors now because I knew what I struggled with as a realtor called Wealthy Agent, teaching them like really the things that I think you need to know as an agent. Um, we have Home Run Offer, which I mentioned for house flipping. Um, Pineda Capital, which is now buying multifamily all over the country. We've bought 460 units in the last five months. And I think we're in contract to buy about 200 more right now. Um, I have Lunar Ecom, which is a whole nother endeavor. We manage over 300 um, Amazon stores for our customers. And then I've got my NFT project that um, I'm launching called Tykes, which is, uh, I think, going to be bigger than all of them. So in terms of going from basically being a professional baseball player to being full-fledged in real estate, how was that transition? How were you able to do that? I've A lot of people probably have heard some of your couch flipping stories, which are really cool. But can you speak <laughs> yeah. a little bit more on your transition and how you were able to grow seven businesses? Because obviously it didn't happen overnight. Yeah. So... You know, part of that journey was I started flipping couches um, before I flipped houses because I sucked so bad as a realtor and I had to like make money. And so I think this was the first time I ever ran a real business where, you know, I just remember my wife and I, we had just gotten married and we were broke. She was in college. I was a failed realtor, you know, minor league baseball player, making 1200 bucks. And I just remember looking at our apartment that I just furnished for like a thousand dollars. And I said, I think I could sell all this for like probably 3000 bucks. And that would be amazing. And so I tested the theory, I, I just went and bought another couch. And it ended up making 200 bucks. And I was like, dude, I'm on to something. If I just find one couch a day, that's $6,000 a month. And so that's exactly what I did. I just started figuring out um, what kind of furniture to buy. And I got a storage unit, I bought a little $1,500 beater truck. And, you know, before long, I was making 8000 bucks a month uh, flipping couches. And I didn't think anything of it. Like, I was just like, this is crazy. I can't believe people don't do this. And I did that probably for about three years um, while I was building up my real estate career. Because as we all know, you know, real estate, you don't get paid immediately, right? If you're flipping a house, it takes months and you got to put up a lot of capital to do it. Um, and so I ended up, uh, doing that all the way from like 2014 to 2016. And then finally, my real estate business was consistent enough that um, I was able to give that up and focus full time on real estate. So yeah, I mean, my journey in real estate before I ever had success was very long. I mean, I, I got licensed in 2010. I didn't make six figures until 2016. You know, when I finally flipped 20 houses. And so, you know, I think for people listening, um, it was a long journey of like figuring out real estate and side hustles while still trying to pursue this dream of playing Major League Baseball. And, um, you know, it was definitely difficult for sure. 
Um, one of the things that I find really interesting about you, Ryan, is how you have been able to pivot from doing active uh, companies to setting up more passive income streams. You have so many different passive income streams. A lot of it is built through your following. Um, can you speak a little bit about when was that mindset shift? What was the first company that you realized, oh, I can make this more passive? And then how did you transition it from an active investment to a passive investment? Yeah. So it's interesting because when you listen to bigger pockets or any other things, right? They say passive income is the goal. And you do this by buying rental properties. And you know, you could get dividends from stocks and stuff. And I realized over time that like, the best way to get passive income is to build a business that runs without you. Like that's first and foremost, number one. Um, and it became apparent to me as I started to build my house flipping business and like kind of step out of it, you know, and it was weird as I stepped out of it more to focus on social media, which you mentioned, that business actually got better because I let people, you know, do what they do best. I wasn't micromanaging. Um, I had hired the right people. I knew that, hey, I'm the bottleneck in these areas. I got to hire somebody else to do it. And, you know, eventually, you know, the house flipping business was like kind of the first one I fully exited. And I mean, I still, I, I'm looking at them right now here in my office. Like, I mean, I still see these people and all that stuff, but um, I'm definitely not active in it. I don't get deals. Like I don't do any of the things I used to do. Um, and I mean, with that house flipping business, last quarter, we had our best quarter ever in our history. Um, we did almost $2 million of gross profit. And wow. I was like, man, I'm out here golfing and like making videos and these guys are killing it. And it's like, that's what passive income is all about. I that's It gets me more excited tweaking that than thinking about, man, how can I go make another 200 bucks if I buy a rental property? That ain't moving the needle for me. You know, rentals are great. Don't get me wrong. I, I own a lot of them. But like I look at rentals more so not to live off of, but for tax write-offs, for long-term wealth building, appreciation and those things. But I'm not trying to live off the cash flow. I would much rather build a business that gives me way more cash flow. And um, you know, social media, which you mentioned as well, I learned um over just like, you know, you and I met in 2019. Um, I, I wasn't doing YouTube or TikTok or anything back then. I was just on Instagram and I was kind of known. I mean, I had like, I don't know, 10,000 followers. Like it, it was pretty decent. And I just remember sitting there during the pandemic, like, man, what's going to happen here? Is, is my business going to like, I have a lot of house flips right now. And if the market crashes, I'm going to be sitting here in a really bad position. And it's not like I could liquidate them or anything else. Um, and I didn't want to liquidate them. I thought that it wasn't going to crash. That was my belief. Um, but I said, what can I do in the meantime? I can't go out. I can't do anything. And so I said, I'm just going to make TikToks and YouTubes. Like this seems like a good idea because I think people are going to be on their phones. I think people are going to like be looking for content and I, this lockdown, who knows how long it's going to be. And so that's what I did. I just started making videos and sure enough, people like were liking them and they were giving people value. And I started to see this weird shift where now my other companies were getting way more customers than we were before. You know, TrueBooks, my CPA firm was getting all these people. Future Flipper was getting all of these students. I was like, whoa, there's like a literal correlation between how much content I make and how much money I make, you know? And 
I was like, I wonder what would happen if I make more content and just like take it to the extreme. And so it, over time, I built out a whole business around content, um, or I should say a whole organization where it was like, we have a producer, a videographer, multiple editors, a content manager, somebody who's in charge of posting and all these things like you would in any other business, which I never saw any other like influencer or real estate person do. Nobody truly like thought about building a business in an org chart for content. And I said, I'm going to build that and see what happens. And so I did. And now we can put out content like probably like almost better than anyone in terms of the amount of volume and quality. And I put a lot of effort and money and, you know, we, we made a lot of mistakes, but now it just, it, it turns out so much content that leads to not only passive income with all the ads and sponsors and other stuff, but it generates leads that cost us nothing for all these businesses, which are kind of set up in a way that are pretty passive to me too, because I'm not in the day to day. And so, yeah, I think my day job at this point is literally just doing this, <laughs> just talking to cameras. <laughs> so that, that kind of leads me to my next question, because I know there are two types of people that I tend to see that want to become entrepreneurs. Uh, you got the people like, uh, just to use big names, Bill Gates or Mark Zuckerberg, who kind of go in, all in on one idea. I mean, Bill Gates started Microsoft, Mark Zuckerberg started Facebook, and like this is their lives. This is what they're going to do. This is what they're known for forever. I mean, all in on one thing, 100% committed. Then there are people that are more like you, and, and I know I'm this way, I know Ashley is this way, where it's kind of like, we're not going to be happy doing all in on one thing for the rest of our lives. And so we start multiple businesses. We, we do quote unquote side hustles. We, we do all different types of things that may not necessarily be related. Maybe they are related to some degree. Um, but we're always doing new and different things. Uh, and so in with those people, those entrepreneurs that kind of have to be doing a lot of things, I kind of see two types of entrepreneurs within that group. One type is the type that kind of, they don't have a big plan. They don't think through, this is how, this is where I am today. This is where I want to get to in five years. This is my path to get there. And then there are those that think, this is the plan. I'm going to start lots of different businesses. I'm going to do this and this and this and this. But it's all well thought out and well planned. Where would you put yourself on, on that kind of that spectrum right there? They're definitely not well thought out. Um, they have <laughs> all been just spur of the moment. Like, this is a good opportunity. Like, and it fits with what we're doing. Like, let's do it. Um, so yeah, I, I, I agree with you guys. I'm like you in that I for sure can't do one thing the rest of my life. Like I go freaking nuts. I'm always trying to conquer something new, whether it's a business or whether it's like a personal challenge. Like right now for the last year, I've been super into golf. And like, I have this big goal that I want to shoot um, par 72, you know, within a year. And it's like this stupid, crazy goal that normal people would be like, you're insane, but I'm close. And it's just like, it's fun. There's no, like, it's not going to do anything for me other than fulfill me um, to conquer a challenge. But the rest of these businesses have all just come up because of either the right person coming into my life with an opportunity or me seeing something in the world where I'm like, this is a better use of my time. And so any business I start today has to be better than the previous businesses. Because if they're not, they're not like worth my time, you know, unless I'm just like a silent partner or something and I don't have to put any work. Like that's one thing. But if I'm the face of it, I'm working on the branding, I'm going to be marketing this business and, you know, building out the infrastructure. It has to be like more valuable um, or it has to be a passion project. Like I just have to really want to do it. 
which um, I didn't even mention this, but you know, I created something called Wealthy Way, which is um, in that mold. It's where we give uh, people like free course, free planner app, free Discord. Everything's completely free because it's just a passion project to help entrepreneurs balance life better. But um, yeah, I think I've kind of kept leveling up in terms of which business, like house flipping was, well, if you even take it a step back, couch flipping was the first and it was great. You can make six figures flipping couches. And then I jumped to house flipping. I was like, yeah, house flipping's great. I can make, you know, a million bucks flipping houses. Um, tax started kind of along the same lines of that because all my buddies were like, who's your tax guy? Who's your tax guy? And I, you know, my tax guy, I love him. His name's Matt. Um, and he was the first guy who I truly resonated with. And I, you know, he is an entrepreneur and I go, why don't we just start our own tax company? And this was like, you know, years ago and we did. And now we have hundreds of clients, but, um, education was that next step where it was like, okay, you do it. Now everybody wants to know how you do it. And so education was a mix of fulfillment and, um, money. Like it's just way more scalable with education. We can help way more people than me just flipping houses by myself. And it just creates this great community. And so you go from like house flipping, which is, you know, seven figure opportunity to education, which is an eight figure opportunity. Um, and then along those same lines, you, you know, the e-com company came into play. That's an eight figure opportunity, um, potentially nine if we do it the right way. Um, and then with the fund, you know, it just keeps going up. It's like, dude, we could own a billion dollars of real estate, you know, if we just do the right things and we operate and uh, we're able to raise enough money. And so it's like, it kept just jumping up and up and up. And then now with this new thing on digital real estate and um, my NFT with Tykes, it's like, dude, literally, that's going to be a multi-trillion dollar industry that does not exist yet. And if I can get in on it early at the forefront, that could be a billion dollars. Like, And I'm not like a guy who just throws out crazy numbers and whatever. I'm like, this is just the facts of the opportunities that I'm putting myself in. So um, basically, I'm willing to just go up to the next opportunity if it makes sense financially or emotionally. Uh, I'll be honest. I could sit here and talk for the next two hours about all of the active businesses that you're starting and, and the active income you're generating because I, I I love that. Um, but we don't have two hours. Um, so I know a lot <laughs> yeah. of our listeners are really curious about, so now that you're making all this money, now that you have all this money, obviously you're investing it. And I right. presume you're investing a lot of it passively. Talk to us about where your passive investments are. Where, where, how do you allocate? What does your portfolio look like? Uh, what, do, what are you investing in these days? Okay, so I would say there are three main buckets I invest in. Um, I don't invest in stocks still to this day. I think that could change at some point. But um, first and foremost is real estate. I mean, real estate is what I know better than anything else. And it's what's got me to where I'm at today. So um, a huge portion is in real estate. Um, typically, what I do at this point is, you know, we have our private lenders and hard money lenders for our house living business. And then I'm just taking down rentals um, left and right, like both personally and with my fund. So I invest in my fund as well. As an L I'm both a GP and an LP. Um, and so I do save a lot of my cash to do the fund because I know pretty much um, like for one, I love our deals we get or else I wouldn't do them. And two, it just gives investors more confidence to invest with me if I'm right there with them. So um, I invest a lot of money into my fund. I invest it into, you know, just buying single family deals that I cherry pick from our house living business. Um, 
But the second thing is crypto. I mean, obviously, I'm very bullish on crypto. Um, you know, I've put over a million bucks of NFTs and you know, crypto and other things, and um, I continue to add to those positions and stuff um, as time goes on. But I would say the third and biggest way that I invest is in my businesses. I mean, for me, I kind of look at my businesses like I would stocks, right? I mean, that's why you're investing in stocks because you're investing in a business and it's going to be passive for you. And I'm like, well, if I'm not active in the day-to-day in these, but I can go light them on fire with money by spending more on marketing or hiring more people or um, building out technology and software, that's going to be in the long run what makes me way more money than putting in a stock or something. And it doesn't require like more work out of me. Like we have the people that can, you know, market better. And it's just kind of turning a needle and being like, you know what? Like let's hire five developers full-time on staff and see what we can do to build efficiencies and softwares that no one has. And so like, that's one thing we did. Um, I actually made a pretty significant investment in building out a shared resource company for all the companies. Like that was something new this year where I said, you know what? all these companies are doing great kind of by themselves and they kind of go together and we have clients and customers in one business and the other, but we don't have like a formal way to track it or cross sell or, you know, just know who all of our customers are and what they're in. And so I was like, we're building a shared resource company. Everyone's reporting to the top. And so we call it the Pineda company. And I spend six figures a month in salaries at the Pineda company. Um, we have, our finance department that's running all of them. We have legal, we have HR, we have my sales manager, my marketing manager, um, ops, and uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting media, social media team. You know, because I, I realized that when one thing works in one company, it pretty much will work in another company. And they all need to be freely sharing that information um, and using it. And so if I can just devote time and resources into developing and the parent company level, they all benefit. And so it's like I get a 7x multiple when I develop it once. And, and I forgot, tech is up there too. And the tech is a huge expense. I have five full-time developers building out in-house software, like stuff for the NFT, all that. But, you know, it was like this thing I just, it, it was like a light bulb moment for me where I was like, we could have such a competitive advantage in all these companies by having shared resources like this. This is what big companies do. That's why Google has Alphabet and you know all these companies have parent companies. Like They end up going this way. And so um, I'm investing a lot of money essentially at the parent company level and um, you know, in legal things too. Like uh, for instance, we're talking a lot about digital real estate. Um, there's a lot of legal hurdles that are going on with what we want to do be, just because they literally haven't been done before. And so it's it's a lot of money to do these things, regardless of how much I'm making. So if I had to say, alloc- like those are the three main things I put my money in, my businesses, real estate, and crypto. Um, if I had to say like the percentages, I would guess maybe at least 50%, uh, maybe let's just call it like 40% goes towards my businesses, whether it's, you know, just in monthly things, I'm feeding my business to grow them, um, basically investing in them, or it's uh, just keeping a lot of cash on hand. Like we have just millions of dollars in cash 
just sitting in the businesses because, you know, I just want to make sure that they're good and we're not like cash trapped because I'm just trying to go invest and get a, you know, a 10% return on something. I would rather forego the 10% and have the cash knowing that we can make a strike or we don't have to like be nervous or worry. So I would say 40% is businesses. Uh, another, I would guess 40% is in real estate. The other 20s, maybe in crypto, maybe 10s in crypto. In terms of um, wealth building versus capital preservation, how much do you think your investments is allocated towards wealth building as opposed to capital preservation? You've kind of talked on both. Um, you have different businesses and different strategies to do both. But what would you say your breakdown is? And also, too, for the future, do you think that you're going to change that strategy, you know, shift more towards maybe capital preservation as opposed to wealth building as you get older. Um, you know, that's all that's very common when people look at stocks. You know, they they invest more aggressively in stocks and less in bonds, you know, when they're younger and as they get older, it kind of the scale changes. Do you kind of see the same thing with your own personal investments with when it comes to wealth building and capital preservation? And also, uh, we can throw in cash flow in there. I'm curious how cash flow f- uh, factors into that as well. Yeah, so it's funny you ask that because I had this conversation um, recently with our team. Um, so I take a couple steps back. I remember when I was younger, and I'm still I'm 33 now, but when I was in my 20s, I you know had financial advisors coming to me, and they said, you know, hey. Like put your money with us, and I'm like, why? I can go put it in real estate and flip it and like make fifty percent on my money, hundred percent if I just turn it enough times, right? And they're like saying, yeah, you know, we'll get you eight percent, whatever. And I was like, that's dumb. Why would anyone do that? And you know, they they talked about how you know, yeah, we're we're here for capital preservation. Like a lot of our clients have already made enough money. There's no point to risk it, and um, it's just about preserving it and beating inflation. And um, at the time, I'm like, yeah, whatever. But now that I'm further along in my career, I realize, like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, it's not about maximizing every dollar anymore once you've made enough. You know, when you're young and you don't have money and, you know, every dollar counts and you're trying to grow, yeah, it's about maximizing. Because if you lose and you're wrong, you can recover. But as you get older, you can't recover. Um, Well, you can, but it's a lot harder. So, when I said I don't invest in stocks, but that might change, it's really for that reason, um, as a way to preserve capital and also be liquid if we ever do want to strike. You know, with real estate, obviously, it's more illiquid, um, and crypto is very volatile. So um, I think stocks will probably play a role at some point um, as my wealth continues to grow. Um, I would just need, like, I don't know at what point that will happen. It, it may happen later this year, if things go the way I think they can go with all these businesses and some things we're doing, I might have so much cash, God willing, that I'm like, man, I I need to put this in stocks because I, I, st- I don't want to just do all these same buckets. But um, the the conversation I had with my team was this on, on house flipping. You know, for the last going on, I think eight years, you know, I've been flipping houses and that was our main thing. I mean, we flip maybe 80% of the deals we get. The other 20% are wholesale. And I've only known an up market since I've been flipping. And so it's great. Like, <laughs> you know, flipping is better because we we maximize our profit. We get the appreciation when it flips. Like, it's awesome. 
But we're actually switching now to a wholesale heavy model. And there's two reasons I'm doing that. Um, one is I think it's easier to scale a wholesaling business than a flipping business. You don't need as many contractors. You don't need as much capital. You know, you just got to get good at getting deals. And, you know, essentially just all you have to do is scale marketing and salespeople. That's kind of it with wholesaling. Um, and so I think it's a lot easier to make, to get to an eight figure wholesaling business than it is a flipping business. But the second reason is to your guys's point is capital preservation. You know, at this point in my career, I, re- I really have no reason to take such risk flipping houses, you know, because I'm making more money in all these other businesses. And so it's like, why even, and, and those businesses, by the way, don't really have risk, you know, compared to house flipping and high interest, hard money loans and stuff and getting foreclosed on like, that's the biggest liability in everything I've built. And so I started to think about it. And I'm like, do I need to maximize every deal now? Like why? You know, even if we just wholesale and we don't make as much, that's, and we, we don't have the risk that we have with flipping. If the market does turn, which I don't think it's going to turn, I think that the market's going to remain strong. So don't mistake it for that. But just like now at this position in my life, I'm thinking, I probably don't need to flip the way I do, especially if that brings down all the other businesses because all of a sudden flipping goes bad. It's just the risk isn't worth it anymore. So yeah, that's kind of my thinking now. Well, it's, it, it speaks to your emphasis on um, on the time and the opportunity cost, right? Because flipping has that that longer hold period, more susceptible to fluctuations with interest rates in the market, as opposed to you know if you're wholesaling, it's it's a better return on your time as well. So it's not necessarily that you're making less profit because if you equate it to time. Uh, which is why a lot of investments use the internal rate of return as a measurement uh, to see how strong an investment is, is because it factors in that time component. So I think yep. that's what you're kind of doing there, right? With with looking at wholesaling versus flipping is almost taking that concept of of how that time plays in. I, I yeah. do want to switch. I, I do want to switch gears a little bit because um, you're working on something that I think is. I don't want to call it unique, but it is pretty unique, especially um, as as far as a lot of investors, seasoned investors, are concerned, because uh, it's a relatively new technology. Um, but in the crypto space, there's a thing called NFTs, and you're actually working on not just buying NFTs. But it sounds like you're working on putting together um, uh, an offering potentially for other investors in the NFT space. Can you walk us a little bit through, number one, well, what is an NFT for anybody out there that's not familiar with crypto and NFTs? Um, And two, what specifically are you building? Yeah. So um, first off, what is an NFT? Um, It's funny. I, I gave a whole presentation to a mastermind I'm in called Collective Genius about you know, metaverse and real estate, digital real estate is what I'm calling it. Digital real estate for me is anything to do with crypto and real estate. So NFTs, metaverse land, all that stuff. Um, But anyways, I gave them this great presentation and they're like, dude, that's so awesome. Like it's the future, but I have a question for you. What is an NFT? And I was like, dude, these are like the smartest people in the world with real estate. And (laughs) that's where we're at with this. And I'm like, oh man, we are so early. And that that means it's great because it's a huge opportunity. Um, so 
it, it actually made me create a whole YouTube series about the basics of NFTs. So um, I think I've released about three or four videos um, talking about what is an NFT? Um, how do you buy an NFT? What is a cold storage wallet to hold your NFT? Um, so I'm, I'm building out this series kind of to take normal real estate investors and teach them the basics. Um, so definitely check those out on my YouTube. But um, like the 30-second the version of what an NFT is, um, most people think it's just a picture, you know, and it's art. And that's kind of what it was initially coming out. But the better way to think of what an NFT is, is essentially just a receipt. It's a receipt of ownership for something. And so the ownership can represent many things. It could represent this digital art. It could represent um, something in the real world, like a house, like a share of an apartment building. It could represent um, an event, right? Like you come to my future flipper event. And if I give you an NFT, that's the only way to get in. It proves that you have, you know, the ticket to that event. And if, you know, in today's world, if you decide you don't want to go to the event, you're kind of like screwed. You've paid for the ticket. There's not much you can do. Maybe you give it to your friend or something, but you know, more than likely they're not going to give you a refund, right? Like they've sold you the ticket. Um, but with an NFT, you could sell it on the open market and give it to somebody else. And especially too, if, um, you know, it's sold out and you could even get more for it. Right. So like the list goes on and on. I could, you know, make an NFT that includes to hang out with me for a day, you know, and go golf with me, whatever. Um, NFT is a receipt. Like that's how I want everyone to think about it. It's a proof of ownership. Um, so as far as what is going to be happening with this proof of ownership for real estate, the possibilities are endless. I mean, one of the biggest use cases people talk about is um, the chain of title, right? Because everything we do with the title company is so expensive. It's outdated. We've been doing it the same way forever. Um, and you know, the moment you can put the chain of title on the blockchain, um, it's public. It cannot be, you know, basically defrauded, you know, right now we have title insurance because it protects us from fraud. Maybe the person we think who is signing who's the seller isn't, and you know, it's fraud and that's why we get insurance. Um, but if it's on the blockchain, the person, the only person that can sell it is the one who has it in their wallet. There's like, it can't be defrauded, you know? So if you don't have the wallet, you cannot sell the house. And so, um, doing that and, and by the way, too, the cost to go transfer it to another wallet is nothing. You know, it's it's gas fees. It could be 20 bucks to go transfer this house to someone else. Whereas today, you want to go sell a house, you go pay transfer taxes, you go pay title fees, escrow fees, signing fees, notary fees, like it's crazy. So I think getting that dialed in is going to be one of the first use, use cases. And it's already happening, by the way. There are companies doing this and I'm going to be doing it as well. Um, I'll be doing it with some of my flips just to prove it. Everything that I do, by the way, I will do it myself to prove it to the world and then pretty much offer it as ways for other people to do it. But, you know, the second use case is with apartments, right? Like I have a fund. Okay, Ashley, you do multifamily too. You guys already know that the biggest problem with a fund is it's not liquid. You know, it's like if I you know, say, Hey, invest in Pineda Capital. We got this great building. It's a great deal. You know, I need to hold your money for the next five years. Um, people do it because they understand like, that's just how a fund works. Like they're used to it. But the moment you can do it as an NFT, 
totally changes the game because now people can go and sell their shares in the fund on a public market and give it public exposure and um, now make something that was once e-liquid, liquid. You know, and for why someone would want to sell, it's totally up to them. Maybe they just need money, right? They they hit hard times and they're like, dude, I need to cash out the fund, you know, or maybe they think the market's going to crash and they're like, dude, I don't want to wait and see what happens with this apartment in the next couple of years. I want to sell now. Um, the point is, they can do that with an NFT versus now, they kind of got to wait for us to sell the property or refinance or if there was really a bad situation, they would come to us and they would say, Ryan, you know, can you um, find somebody to buy my shares, right? And uh, we would do our best to accommodate that, but it, it may or may not happen, right? Or they might have to sell it at a discount because there's not as many buyers um, versus being able to sell it for a profit, assuming, you know, it's a really good deal. So those are just two use cases. There are so many others that we're working on. And that's just like merging this blockchain NFT technology with real world real estate. There's a whole nother side of this in the metaverse that, that is going to be trillions of dollars, like this digital land that people are going to be able to uh, do a lot of cool stuff on and make money in passive income. Awesome. Love that. And so um, you had mentioned when we were talking earlier in the show or before the show um, that you were actually going to be making a passive offering available to other investors. What does that look like? What are you, what are you thinking about building? So um, my NFT project is called Tykes, T-Y-K-E-S. You can go to tykes.io to kind of stay up to date with the project. Um, You know, we've got a discord community, follow us on Twitter, all that stuff. Um, So we're going to be releasing that project in about the goal 75 days. And, um, like the main purpose of that project, first and foremost, is to be the number one community for digital real estate. Like I want to get all the people who are as passionate about me as it um, in that community because together I think we can do so many crazy things. Whether it's you know building businesses together, investing together, me helping you guys NFT your fund. Like there's the list goes on and on. And I just want to bring all those people together. Like that's my top priority with Tykes, but. As a guy who's in NFTs and understands crypto, everybody wants all these other perks and utility um, because that's what gives the NFT even more value. It makes it more desirable. People want to join. And so um, we've got a ton of stuff that we're planning for the NFT, a lot of which I can't share right now just because, as maybe you guys know, the NFT space is all about uh, mystery and just like building up hype, hype, hype until you release and then, you know, you give them the full picture, but, um, I've been leaving like bread crumbs along the way. And, uh, one of the breadcrumbs is that, yes, there's going to be a passive income feature, um, with tykes and you have to be careful when you say this. So I don't even want to say it's passive income, mainly just because of SEC and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, there's going to be a way for tykes to basically be staked and generate, um, you know, a cryptocurrency native to Tykes. And uh, there's going to be ways to use it um, for different perks. And, you know, if you want those perks, you can use it. If you don't, you could sell it to somebody else who wants those perks. And, you know, there's your passive income. Well, like Jay, I could talk to you for hours about all of this and more. But um, just out of respect for your time, we want to transition now to our 
three questions that we ask all guests, starting off with our first question, which is what new thing have you recently invested in or are currently researching that has you very excited? I think you guys know the answer to that. I, uh, <laughs> I, I'm <laughs> was super, it just what you're talking about? <laughs> it was just what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, I, there is nothing to me that is more like interesting and like the biggest opportunity of our lifetime than I think this digital real estate thing for real estate investors. And like the reason I say that is it's very rare you get to be on the ground level of what is going to be a multi trillion dollar industry. Like there's just no other way around it. It's going to be there and really fast. I mean, real estate is going to happen. Like it's all these things are happening right now and they're going to happen in masses as time goes on. So um, being able to be at the forefront of that and kind of like pioneer it um, in a way, and by no means will I be the only one who pioneers it. I'm hoping that everyone in Tykes, you know, pioneers it right there with me. That's to me the most exciting thing. And, you know, if you're looking for passive income opportunities, um, I would look heavily into all of these digital assets for real estate, whether it's, you know, joining Tykes or joining other um, projects that we end up um, basically partnering with at Tykes. I mean, like that's one of the reasons for creating it is to create like an underwriting process for all of, because there's going to be a million digital real estate projects. So it's just like, which ones are legit and how do we figure out, you know, which ones we want to partner with and invest in. So um, yeah, that's what I'm most excited about. Um, question number two is, uh, what current legislation or economic situation poses the greatest threat to your passive investing strategy? Hmm. So I'll say <laughs> they kind of go hand in hand, but we touched on this with the digital real estate earlier, like, or the digital real estate side earlier is that there's so many legal things that are not yet done or addressed that we're kind of just going to bulldoze into and ask for forgiveness later because that's the only way to do it. And so I think there's the, the biggest legal threat is that there's no legal framework for like a lot of the things we want to do. And um, one other thing I'll say is I think short-term rental laws are a big legal threat too to a lot of the things I want to do with tykes because there are a lot of um, cool things on the short-term rental side that can be done. And that area is so gray just because it's already gray with Airbnb. Like all these cities are trying to figure out what to do about Airbnb. And um, when you start bringing crypto into that too, and you start doing it in a different way where it's like, well, this isn't really a short-term rental. You know, tell me why it is. Cause I don't think it is based on how I see it. It's going to create this whole deal. And, um, I don't know. I'm excited to just freaking rile up the cities and stuff. It wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> it, it, it's interesting because, I mean, there's so many legal questions when it comes to crypto and, and real estate, whether you're talking about fractionalization or, or tokenization or chain of title type stuff, because while there's so many things that obviously make sense to us as both real estate investors and technology people, um, unfortunately, we've got literally hundreds of years of laws on the books um, that, that are archaic when it comes to things like chain of title and ownership of property and public recording of, of deeds and, and things like that. And unfortunately, we, we move a lot faster than the judges and the attorneys and, 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 and the courts of law. Well, and let me say one thing too about the archaic side. So that's why I love 
like being at the forefront of this because real estate is the most archaic industry bar none. The way we build a house is the same a hundred years ago. Like we're still building with sticks and bricks. Like you're telling me we can't build 3D homes and stuff like at scale way quicker. Like the reason we have no supplies because we can't build in a technological way. But as far as chain of title goes, it's it's funny because it was maybe like 10 years ago I, when I was first a realtor. I remember here in Vegas, the title company, you would you'd sign, you do all this stuff, and they had to physically go to the recorder in the county and record the title. And it was like, man, that seems pretty dumb. And then at some point, they're like, yeah, you can e-file now. Like, this is revolutionary. We don't have to go run the, the deed down to the recorder. And um, it's like, wow, that's crazy. And then, you know, COVID makes it so that we don't need notaries. People are like, yeah, we're going to have to do virtual notaries now. It's like, why have we had to... All this process of selling a home is so archaic. And then, you know, the moment that you do it on the blockchain where you don't need a notary, if you've got the wallet, you can transfer it. And there's no one that can say you're not the owner. Like, and you could do it like that. It doesn't matter if it's past uh, the wiring deadline at, you know, one o'clock and they receive the wire by three. You're going to get the money tomorrow, like right now, this moment, you're going to get the house this moment and nobody can stop. You can sell a house on the weekend. It doesn't matter. Um, and dude, I just look at that and I'm like, oh my gosh, dude, this is the biggest thing I've ever seen that is going to happen. And I think it will happen quicker than people think just because when you look at the timeline of 10 years ago, running the deed down there to then e-recording to virtual notaries, to what this is already can do, it just needs adoption. Love it. Love it. And our last question is, uh, what is the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Hmm. Man, I received a lot of good advice. I mean, I give a shout out to Jay. I mean, when I first started flipping houses, the first two books I read were his and Brandon Turner's at Bigger Pockets. And so, like, understanding, um, I think yours was on renovating homes and um, all that stuff. And Brandon's was on the financing side, knowing low money down. I was like, holy crap, this is not as hard as I thought it was. I thought this was like, you had to be rich and have all this money and construction experience and all this stuff. And I'm like, you don't, this is amazing. And so I think the best piece of advice was, you know, realizing that things probably aren't as hard as you think. And I don't even know who gave me that. I'm just giving it. And it's just like, I've learned that over my life and all these different businesses. It's like, dude, flipping houses isn't as hard as you think. It seems daunting because you've never done it. It seems like you need all this money and construction and, you know, it's hard to talk to sellers, but it's really not like just once you get out there and do it, you're like, yeah, this wasn't that bad. You know, making content seems weird getting on a camera and talking. I I felt the same way. Like I'm naturally introverted, but it's not that hard. And the stuff I'm talking about with digital real estate, it seems crazy right now. And I haven't even done it yet. (laughs) You know, we're in the process of doing it, but like, I can tell you probably a year from now, I'd be like, yeah, you know, we launched the NFT and, you know, I was, there was a lot of things I didn't know, but once I did it, I realized, yeah, that wasn't even that hard. Like it wasn't that bad. Ryan, this has been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much. Before we go, um, I'd love for you to give our listeners um, some information. Where can they find you? How can they connect with you? How can they find out more about tykes.io? I guess they go to tykes.io, but if they want to find out more about that or anything else you're doing, uh, where can they go? Yeah, I would just go to ryanpineda.com. Um, you can see all my businesses. You can see Tykes. You can see all my social media channels on there. So 
um, you want to work with me too, you can book a call with our team and uh, for whatever. I mean, we got a ton of businesses. So if you're watching this, we can probably help you out in some way. Fantastic. We'll make sure to link all of your links in the show notes. Check them out as well. Cool. Awesome. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate you being here. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thank you, Ryan. 